Today on Season 3, Episode 73 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Rice kicks off the episode with some Super Bowl odds, roster moves, and some exciting title town news. Aaron Rodgers looks to add to his MVP resume while Adams encroaches on yet another Packers record. We then welcome Bill Rossetti of SI Panthers and Locked On Panthers to the UPP studio. We get to know Bill and the Panthers a bit better ahead of Saturday night's matchup. What do they do well? What can the Packers exploit? Who do we need to watch out for? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for Facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack! Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap. I am Bryce Christensen and I am flying solo once again this week. If you have not yet, catch our one and not done episode where I flew solo for the entire episode. Ken was dealing with a personal matter. And I gave it my best. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did tune in, if you haven't, uh, take a listen and leave a comment on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, hopefully five stars. Hit that subscribe button. We would truly, truly appreciate it. I also need to give my man behind the scenes, Nebels, the magician, that beautiful sound, that beautiful intro week in, week out. Love what he's doing behind the scenes, and I hope that you all enjoyed as well. Wanted to give him a little shout-out. And with Facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap, we will have our guest, Bill Rossetti of Locked On Panthers, of SI Panthers, Bengals Wire as well. And he'll talk about the Carolina Panthers in the second half. I'm just going to go through this first half, talk a little bit about Packers news, some other key points about the Carolina Panthers that were talked about in the second half, but I sort of expand on it a little bit in this first half. We'll get you all equipped for the Packers-Panthers this Saturday at Lambeau. First and foremost, I want to talk about, you know, the Packers right now are 10-3. and They sit atop of the NFC North, back-to-back NFC North champions under the first two years of head coach Matt LeFleur. And they sit atop of the NFC right now. They are tied with the New Orleans Saints, but they own the tiebreaker from beating the Saints back in September. According to SportsInsider.com, they placed the Green Bay Packers' odds of winning the Super Bowl at plus 2,500. This is before the season. 11 teams were given a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the Packers. Can you believe that? And now, halfway through December, the Green Bay Packers have the second-best odds in the NFL to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City is the favorite right now, 7-4, while Green Bay is second at 15-2. Then you have the Saints with 8-1, Rams 10-1. Rams are that team that... I know that they're like the hot team that everyone talks about, but they've got they've got some ingredients that I think could be trouble in the playoffs. But and I digress and still stick to the same point with Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Tampa Bay. They're all twelve to one in Baltimore and Tennessee. Baltimore is twenty to one odds, and Tennessee is twenty eight to one odds. Who we play next week? Uh, the Packers are also the front runner to win the NFC at thirteen to five odds. Packers are followed by New Orleans three to one, Rams nine to two, and Seattle and Tampa Bay both six to one odds. So Packers, we're looking that first round by first and foremost, we do have to get through the Carolina Panthers. But speaking of Packers news, Packers practice squad moves. You have defensive lineman Brian Price who was signed, running back Dexter Williams restored off the practice squad IR, tackle. Ryan Pope was released, and defensive lineman Delonte Scott was placed on the practice squad IR. Brian Price is probably a familiar name for the ones that follow the Green Bay Packers religiously. It is a return to Green Bay for Price, who originally signed as an undrafted rookie in 2016. He is currently a third-year player out of the University of Texas, San Antonio. That's where Marcus Davenport went to. He joins the Packers for the second time. He originally signed 
as an undrafted rookie back in 2016, like I mentioned. Uh, he spent some time on the practice squad. He was also on the active roster from 2016 to 2017. He appeared in one game in 2016. Over his career, he was with the Cowboys, Raiders, Cleveland Browns, Jaguars, and Browns once again. All in all, Brian Price has played in 22 games, recording 20 tackles, 11 solo, a pass defense, a tackle for loss. He will wear number 78 for the Green Bay Packers. And the reason why I'm talking about Brian Price is two years ago, the Packers tried to poach Brian Price from the practice squad for the Cleveland Browns. He was at a minimum 7600 a week, which went to $37,058 a week after the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers tried to claim him or poach him, I should say. And my co-host, Ken Ingles, was really jazzed up about this Brian Price acquisition. So the Packers have wanted him. He was part of the Green Bay Packers roster back in 2016 and 2017. And now let's see what happens. He's on the practice squad now. Maybe he gets elevated and we'll see what happens. Fortify that D-line a little bit, but he's a guy that the Packers have coveted and now we do have them, I should say. We now have him as part of the Green Bay Packers organization. So I'm pretty thrilled to see what he can do and what transpires with that. Something I wanted to mention that is in Green Bay Packers related news, but this is something that was really cool that dropped on Tuesday, December 15th. You have the Green Bay Packers that combined forces with MLB's Milwaukee Brewers, NBA's Milwaukee Bucks, and Microsoft to form the Equity League, which is a new impact investment division of venture capital fund Titletown Tech. The Equity League is a collaboration which forms an investment network focused on locating, developing, and investing in minority entrepreneurs and growth companies that are creating scalable and social change. The collaboration targets inequities that exist within the tech startup industry by prioritizing Black and Latinx founders, hiring minority venture fellows, and investing in sectors including, but not limited to, education, financial technology, digital inclusion, health equality, urban innovation, and then criminal justice reform. The founding principle of the Equity League is that while genius is equally distributed, regardless of race, gender, or zip code, opportunity is not. Only 1% of founders are Black and less than 2% are Latinx when looking at venture capital-backed startups. Just 3% of employees at venture capital investment funds are black or Latinx professionals. So something that I wanted to mention, this was largely something that was a focal point in the state of Wisconsin this past summer when uh, Jacob Blake was shot by police in Kenosha, which started some riots, the the boycott by the Milwaukee Bucks in the, the bubble season. And so now you have these combined forces come and create this equity league. I'm really excited to see what transpires with that. Uh, so, but some really cool news coming out of the state of Wisconsin. And kudos to our professional sports leagues throughout the state of Wisconsin. And moving on in Packers news. Through nine games, the Packers have played without 38 starters due to injury. And on the reserve COVID-19 list, the same number as their opponents. In the last four games, the Packers have been without, without six starters compared to 21 for the opposition. Something to note in the injury report that was released on Tuesday. They didn't practice on Tuesday, and while I'm recording, I have not gotten an updated injury report, but something to keep in mind. This could change, so this is not fixed. But you had Jay Sternberger, who did not participate due to a concussion. Malik Taylor was out due to a hamstring. And some big notable names. You had outside linebackers Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Cornerbacks Kevin King and Shannon Sullivan were all listed as limited participation on the injury report. Rashawn Gary, which now we know is a hip injury that he sustained in that Lions game. Kevin King has got this Achilles groin, which is something that is new. So it's another injury that has popped up for Kevin King. Alan Lazard has a core injury, uh, something that it's probably still correlated to what he sustained earlier in the year and when he was... Uh, on the shelf for a little bit. Mercedes Lewis with a knee injury, Lucas Patrick with a toe, Randy Ramsey with a neck injury, J.K. Scott with a quad. He's had that in back-to-back weeks. Zadarius Smith's injury is an ankle and a thumb. Equinemius St. Brown is a knee injury. Chandon Sullivan is a hip. And then you have Rick Wagner with a knee injury. Full participants were Jair Alexander, who's been battling a knee and hand injury, 
Darnell Savage, Macho Man, great white shark, been battling a groin injury, but he was a full participant. And then Simon uh, Stepaniak, who we drafted in the sixth round out of Indiana, we've been getting him back slowly last week. And he was battling that knee injury that he sustained during his senior year of college, which he missed the bowl game. And he has not been practicing at all throughout virtual off seasons. And he was just activated this past week. So I feel like I got you up to date on some, I don't know, run of the mill sort of Packers news outside of that really exciting news about the equity league. But you have Aaron Jones with that new agent, Drew Rosenhaus. I talked about it in the one and not done on tap episode with a fan question. Brace yourselves. He is going to get paid somewhere else. Uh, This is something that I've resigned to I've accepted uh, a lot of it has been under the guidance of Ken Ingles big bad Ken and him being a salary cap expert the Packers just don't have a lot of money uh, they're gonna have to do a lot of innovative ways creative ways on restructuring contracts in order to get under that salary cap that has taken a blow due to the COVID pandemic so that is something that I'm glued on come off season with that salary cap for the Green Bay Packers. And speaking of uh, Aaron Jones and that running back position, you had Jamal Williams per Jimmy Christensen, who was on earlier this year. I'm trying to think when, but uh friend of the podcast, uh, he had tweeted out that, that and the tweet just blew up, that uh, source confirms that he could be nearing an extension. So something to keep an eye on is, all right, you're looking at these quote-unquote lesser name. That's not a dig or throwing shade at Jamal Williams or others, but in regards to Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari, these huge contracts, Aaron Jones is going to get a huge contract. Uh, You're looking at these lesser contracts, I should say. So Robert Tunyon, Shannon Sullivan, and possibly Jamal Williams, that one-two punch. You drafted Aaron Jones' replacement, A.J. Dillon, in the second round of this 2020 NFL draft, who had been on the reserve COVID-19 list for four or five weeks, and we just got him back in practice. So something to keep an eye on. What happens with Jamal Williams in regards to him signing possibly an extension? That's something that I will be keeping an eye on. And also, let's let's be in the moment. Let's enjoy what we have with Aaron Jones, a special, special season. And speaking of special, you have Aaron Rodgers, MVP, Campaign, And he's still not getting the recognition that he deserves. You tune into any sports television and it's Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. That's fine. I got a chip on my shoulder. Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder. The whole Packers team has a chip on their shoulder. And that's fine. We like being underdogs. We do. But Aaron Rodgers right now is number one in the NFL in passer rating, touchdown passes, and touchdown percentage. He has a passer rating of 105 plus in eight consecutive games. There have only been five longer streaks in the NFL, led by Rodgers' 12-game run in 2011. So what you're seeing right now leads the league in touchdowns, fewest interceptions with four. It's been magical. And we talked about this in the second half with Bill Rossetti on what he predicts Aaron Rodgers is going to feast, Devonta Adams is going to feast. So as we wrap up the first half of facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap. Bill Bill talks about this in the second half. I'm just expanding on this, giving you a little bit of foundation before we pivot into our second half. But defensively, Carolina's 28th in completion percentage and 26th in passer rating. Last week, coming off a week 13 bye, you had Denver's Drew Locke, who posted a 149.5 passer rating on the strength of four touchdowns. In week 12, Minnesota Vikings' Kirk Cousin had a 115.7 passer rating with three touchdowns, despite the absence of Adam Thielen. In week 10, you had Tampa Bay quarterback Tom Brady with a 124.0 passer rating, three touchdowns, and Godwin, Evans, and Antonio Brown combined for 19 catches for 238 yards. In week 9, which was a, a, a battle with the Panthers and the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes threw for 372 yards and four touchdowns in a 121.7 rating. So if we're talking about this MVP race, Mahomes and Green Bay, the number that I want you to put in the back of your head is 372 yards and four touchdowns and a 121.7 rating. Let's see what Rodgers does against the Panthers on Saturday. The only exception where 
Carolina was able to prevail, which was over the Detroit Lions, as Stafford was just 18 of 13 for 178. That came in week 10. But this snapshot, courtesy of Bill Huber of SI Packers, uh, he was a guest on. This is where I got that information from, so I wanted to give credit where credit is due. This is an opportunity for Rodgers and Devontae Adams to completely explode, feast on this Carolina Panthers defense. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling with that speed, I think that's something that the Panthers are going to struggle with. Bill talks about how the corners struggle with speedy wide receivers. I think MVS, like I talked about in One and Not Done on Tap, he provides assists to other playmakers on this offense. So MVS's speed is going to provide opportunities for Jones, Jamal Williams, Tunyon, Devontae Adams, of course, Lazard. EQ. Something to keep in mind, though, when the Carolina Panthers were able to stifle Matt Stafford in Week 10, they had five sacks in that game. Outside of that game, they have had not had more than two in any other game. So if you're looking at this offensive line and Aaron Rodgers, if he gets protection, we're looking at another W. And speaking about Devontae Adams, who's tied for third in the NFL with 14 touchdowns, that's second as a wide receiver. The only one ahead of him is Tyreek Hill with 16 touchdowns. That 56-yard catch-and-run touchdown against the Lions was the longest of the season so far by Devonta Adams. I've got a weird feeling. I still think he's just scratching the surface. I think this game is going to be another big, big output by Devonta Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scaling. I just feel it. I don't know. But when you're looking at Devonta Adams, he's got 91 receptions for 1,144 yards and 14 touchdowns. He also missed two games against the Saints, And Falcons. He missed some action in that Jaguars game with that ankle injury. So keep in mind, I mean, he's missed essentially, what, two and a half games? It's amazing what he's doing. His 14 touchdowns are a career best. He had 13 in 2018. The number to keep an eye on is 18, which is the franchise record from Sterling Sharp in 1994. So 18 touchdowns. He's got four to go for that franchise record. Pretty impressive. And now we pivot. Just wanted to mention a a few things uh, right now. To keep an eye on, specifically in the Packers defense, no team in the NFL has allowed more receiving yards to running backs than the Green Bay Packers. Carolina's defense, to put it simple, is not very good. They're 20th in league with 25.5 points allowed per game. Its pass rush, aside from Brian Burns, is feeble, to be honest. It's terrible on third down. It has not intercepted a pass since week eight. Thing to keep in mind is where they are a really formidable bunch is stripping the football. They lead the NFL with 13 recoveries. That's as many as Green Bay has had in the past two seasons combined. Hold on to the football. Brian Burns has forced three fumbles and Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chin have two apiece. Keep in mind though that the Green Bay Packers have the six fewest fumbles in the league. Player to keep an eye on is Jeremy Chin. Bill talks about some other players to keep an eye on. The one person I'm really interested in seeing is Jeremy Chin. He was a guy that I really coveted, second-round draft pick out of Southern Illinois. Uh, He's a do-it-all type of player. He lines up at every position outside a defensive tackle. He returned two fumbles for touchdowns versus Minnesota a few weeks ago. So Jeremy Chin is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, From my perspective, Brian Burns two years ago was the guy that A lot of fans wanted to draft. We drafted Rashawn Gary. So I definitely want to keep an eye on him, see how he fares. But it should be an exciting game. I have a lot of respect for Coach Rule, what he's done with Temple, what he did with Baylor. I mean, this was, what he did at Baylor was something that I don't know a lot of people would have done, to be honest. They were just marred in sexual misconduct, allegations with Art Bryles, their former head coach, and he led them to an 11-3 record and a Super Bowl appearance in 2019 after the team went 1-11 two years prior. They were the first Power 5 program to go from 11 losses to 11 wins within two seasons. Also, when he before, the, before his experience with Baylor, he was a head coach for the Temple Owls for four seasons where they went 2-10, and 6-6, six and, six, and then he led the Owls to back-to-back 10-win seasons from 2015 to 2016. He had one year in the NFL as an assistant offensive line coach with the New York Giants, which we'll talk a little bit about in the second half. 
but he's he's an up and comer. I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how they sort of grit this performance out. I mean, this is a mismatch for ruling company. The Packers should roll over the Panthers. But just like I said in that Jacksonville Jaguars game, this is a team that does not give up. They're going to give it their all, just like the Jaguars did at home. So it could go one of two ways. Green Bay Packers completely exploit uh, the cornerbacks, the speed, our playmakers, and we just roll over the Panthers. Or it's going to be a little bit more of a contested battle. Maybe the Panthers are jazzed up. We don't know what is to be expected out of Christian McCaffrey. What has been said is that he's not expected to play per coach rule. But just like Josh Jacobs last week, he was not expected to play and then he did play. So maybe they're trying to keep the Green Bay Packers on their toes. Maybe they're trying to catch them sleeping and then McCaffrey does suit up on Saturday. Uh, But this is a guy that... uh, is explosive. He had 2,392 yards from scrimmage last year, third most in NFL history. Only has 374 yards this season. He's only played in three games, but in those games, uh, he scored two touchdowns each time. So something that's going to be pretty interesting. In two career games against the Green Bay Packers, Christian McCaffrey has 171 rushing yards, 12 catches for 106 yards, and three total touchdowns. In last year's game at Lambeau, he rushed for 108 yards, but his 20th carry of the game from the goal line on the final play was stuffed. So I do remember Christian McCaffrey being a problem for the Green Bay Packers. If he does not play, which is to be expected, all right, we're in the driver's seat. If he does play, things get interesting. You got uh, nothing to lose, first-year head coach that's building this culture, uh, a team that doesn't give up, that wants to play for their coach, and then they get their star running back who just inked a deal back in April. So that's something to keep an eye on right now. Does he play? If not, I think think we're going to be okay. But there you have it for the first half of Facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to welcome our guest, Bill Rossetti, right after this. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. Go, Pack, go! And we are back for the second half of Facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap. And the moment you've all been waiting for, our guest for our upcoming opponent, the Carolina Panthers. You guessed it, Bill Rossetti. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great, Bryce. It's uh, great to be here with you. Really appreciate, really appreciate you guys having me on here. Excited to talk some Panthers and Packers with you guys here. I cannot wait. And it's a little of an unusual schedule. The, the Panthers and the Packers square off this Saturday, mm-hmm. not a playoff game, which is typically when you see Saturday games. So I'm excited to see the Panthers and the Packers square off on Saturday and have a relaxing day on Sunday where I can watch football and not really anxiously await for the game or mull over whatever transpired in that Sunday's game. So I'm really excited for this Saturday showdown. Before we talk about the Carolina Panthers, I ask all our guests first two questions about their background. So first and foremost, tell me about your journey. How did you get inspired to work in sports, Bill? Yeah, well... I guess the typical answer, like a lot of people like to say, is, you know, I grew up loving sports. I started watching football when I was about nine years old. Um, Actually grew up an Eagles fan, interestingly enough. I'm from uh, Northeast Pennsylvania and just fell in love with the sport. I, you know, I'm a big all around sports guy, but football has always been my top passion. And I played football in high school a little bit and just knew that I wanted to do something in sports. I've always wanted to you know, just be involved in, in some aspects. So about maybe 10 years ago, I uh, really got onto Twitter. I, I had a Twitter account in like 09, but never really used it. A couple years later, I finally mm-hmm. really started using it and learned like how valuable it, it could be and uh, right. networking with a lot of people. And I got involved in doing some fantasy football work. Uh, actually, Jim Day, the guy a lot of people out there know as the fantasy Taz, really is the one that got yeah. my foot in the door. So a lot of what I've done up to this point, I owe a big deal of gratitude to him because he's he really got me my first big break in fantasy football. And, you know, it's kind of grown since then and done a little bit of work over Bleach Report. Uh, I've done work at the uh, Panthers Wire, of course, now doing Locked On Panthers now for a couple of years yep. and then just switched over to SI Panthers. 
actually dabble in, in a bunch of different sites too, not just with the Panthers. I do a little bit of Bengals work. I contribute to oh, cool. four for four on uh, a couple different sites, Brawl Network. I'm actually doing an internship there. And, you know, so just getting my name out in a bunch of different places still and, you know, always learning, always interested in uh, just learning about the nuances of the game and whatnot, always finding books and, and whatnot to, to check out. In fact, I just got in the book from Alex Kirby, uh, Breaking into Coaching with No Experience is a great book in terms of learning how to watch film and, uh, just kind of what to see on the field. So a lot of great stuff out there. So it, it's been a really fun journey so far. And um, you know, hopefully it continues to to grow here for me. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Well, congratulations, first and foremost, for all of your endeavors. It seems like a, a jack of all trades, master of all. And uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the follow up question is you talked about Locked On Panthers, SI Panthers, uh, also did work with Panthers Wire. Uh, how did you land where you're at currently? Yeah, so that's an interesting story. So actually, uh, Panthers Wire came first, and it's always a funny story how that happened. This was a few years ago when USA Today was really starting to build up the, uh, all those Team Wire sites. And I remember it was actually the last team, I think, to get a Wire site, and that was the Tennessee Titans and I remember seeing that they were created and I was like, wow, you know, it'd be cool to write for one of these wire sites one day. So I just started following the Twitter accounts of the wire sites and the Twitter accounts of some of the editors. And one thing led to another. Eventually, Tim Weaver, who manages the Panthers wire and the Falcons wire, messages me on Twitter and is like, hey, you know, you want to contribute to these sites? And I said, yeah, sure. So. Actually, for a short time, I was doing both of those sites, the Panthers and the Falcons. Eventually, just ended up doing just the Panthers before uh, I hit up Chris Rowling to connect with him for Bengals Wire. So I'm still doing the two of those sites. And then about a year later is when the hosting gig for Locked on Panthers opened up after Steve Reed mm-hmm. stepped down from the from the position, you know, a long time. Panthers beat writer with the AP and a couple other places. One of the most you know well-known Panthers writers out there. So I hit up David Locke. I talked to him a little bit, and you know since then I've been running with there, and it's been a great time. It's hard to believe I'm already about to finish my fourth season now with the Locked On Network, and I've been able to see. In fact, I, I think it was only a year before I got there was when the network started, and it's really started to grow. Because when I got there, I think they were only doing. I think it started as NBA because David's actually mm-hmm. the uh, radio play-by-play guy for the Utah Jazz. So it started with the Jazz and then grew to the NBA. Then they added the NFL. And then since then, they've added Major League Baseball and NHL and college. So they've got a lot going on now. So it's really been fun to be part of this network that has grown significantly over the last couple of years. And like I said, it's you know fun for me because I just get to sit and basically talk about Panthers football. And it's always been a, a fun team to cover, you know, especially the last couple of years when Cam Newton was there. This year was certainly fun with the quite the turnover with a new quarterback, new coaching staff, all that stuff. So it's it's been a, a really fun year and it's really been fun to get that experience because again, jumping in when I did, it was a lot of stability. It was Cam Newton, Ron Rivera for all those years. So this was really the first time right. that I really got to dive into a coaching change, a quarterback change, a culture change, really. So it, it's been a, a really fun time. And then uh, just recently is when I switched over to SI Panthers. The guy from there hit me up and said, do you want to help out over here? So uh, I've been dab a little bit over there now as well. So, you know, fun times really for me, it's really just exciting to just see my name on some of these places and, mm-hmm. you know, to have done yeah, some of the stuff I have, like, especially even like going to the senior bowl and the combine 10 years ago, if you were to told me I would have been to all these places and had my name at all these places, I'd have told you were nuts, but you know, <laughs> here we are, I guess. So I guess anything's possible. If I can do it, then anyone can do it. Well, congratulations. And here we are. Uh, we're, we're talking Panthers, we're talking Packers, the showdown on Saturday. And let's switch gears a little bit and focus on the Carolina Panthers. Like you had mentioned, a lot of turnover. Uh, the Panthers, sort of an unconventional hire 
with the former Temple and Baylor coach Matt Rule. And I know that there was some concerns that he only had, what, one season underneath Mm -hmm. his belt with coaching experience with the New York Giants, but his turnaround with the Temple uh, program as well as the Baylor program that was marred in uh, sexual misconduct and what he has done to really leave that program in a better place when he first found it. How have the Packers been under this first-year head coach? Yeah, and... You know, not to rag on the New York Jets because they've obviously gone through quite a lot here in 2020. (laughs) But um, I think a lot of us know the story by now that Matt Rule could have been the coach of the New York Jets. Right. But they didn't let him have the flexibility and and the ability to bring in his own coaching staff like the Panthers have. That's why he didn't take the Jets job. Panthers basically gave him, for the most part, free reign. And here they are. And it's been a fun ride so far. And, you know, expectations were never really that high. We knew coming into this season that uh, Matt Rule was going to be in for a tough spot. And even the ownership knew that, too. They knew it was going to be a rebuilding process. That's why they gave him a seven-year contract, which you almost never see in general from NFL coaches, right? Let alone a guy, like you said, that had one year of NFL coaching experience, and that was eight years ago with the Giants, Mm -hmm. but the Panthers have bought into the culture that Matt Rule and really owner David Tepper as well, the culture that these guys have brought in, and it's been exciting. You know, the results obviously haven't been what they wanted them to be, but you can just tell that this team is fighting for Matt Rule. Matt Rule is making this team Mm -hmm. exciting to play for, exciting to watch. And this is definitely a team that's on the upward trend. You know, they've been competitive in a lot of games. You look at even from week one, they were very close with the Raiders, who are a winning team right now. Just a couple of weeks ago, they lost by two points to the 12-1 and Kansas City Chiefs. So it's not like they're getting blown. There have really only been two games this season, the two games against the Buccaneers, that really got away from the Panthers. Other than that, they've been right there. So flip a couple of these games around in the next year or two. And I think this is a team that's really headed for for uh, for great things. So you're eventually, I think, going to see what he did at Temple and at Baylor happen with the Carolina Panthers. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I I completely agree. I thought that was a very uh, sexy hire, for lack of a better term. And being a college football player. aficionado, if you will, seeing what he did at Temple, seeing what he did. I mean, Baylor was a was a risky gamble uh, for him taking over that program. I just like, you know, reading up on our Facing the Opponent series, I was really compelled with what Coach Rule brings to the table, like you had mentioned, culture-wise, uh, leaving a place better than when you first found it. So this is, you know, I'm a huge Packers fan. We have a Packers podcast, but Doing research and prep on Coach Rule and the Panthers, I've got a little bit of more of appreciation for him, and I'm also sort of rooting to see what he can do for this Carolina Panthers team. With that said, uh, did your preseason opinions match the current expectations so far of of the Panthers in this odd and unusual COVID pandemic type of 2020 season? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I know there were people out there that thought this team was going to be in contention for the number one pick in the draft. Like this could have been the worst team in the Mm. NFL. I wasn't that bullish on the Panthers because I knew they had the talent, especially on offense to win a couple of games and effectively take them out of the running for the number one pick. And obviously we've seen that well play out. I, I don't even think we could have imagined the Panthers would be as bad as the New York jets have been or that the Jacksonville Jaguars have been, or even the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm -hmm. The the Panthers, I don't think, were ever going to be that low of a team. They were going to be a team that were probably going to win a few games on offense, but they were going to lose a bunch of games because it was a young defense. And when you have a lot of young guys, I mean, this team started four rookies in week one, you know, and that was probably to be expected with the fact that they literally drafted all defensive players, right? Seven players or seven draft picks, all defense. First time that ever happened. I think they said first time in what, like 45 years that a team spent all of their draft picks on one side of the ball. So we knew there was going to be some growing pains with this defense. And we've seen that, you know, Troy pride has had an up and down season. 
Uh, Yito Gross Matos has been injured and spent some time on the COVID list. Derek Brown has has flashed a little bit, started off a little slow, but has been rising a little bit in the last couple of weeks, especially with Kwan Short being injured. So, and that's the other thing too with this team. Injuries have obviously played a, a huge factor. Like I just mentioned, Kwan Short, he was only limited in a couple of games, and then of course the big name Christian McCaffrey, probably not going to play right. on Saturday. So he's still going to be only sitting at three games played all season long due to what's now his third different injury already. He had the right. He had the ankle sprain. Then he had the shoulder injury suffered against the Chiefs. And now he has the thigh injury that he suffered during the bye week. So really unfortunate what's happened with Christian McCaffrey. But Mike Davis has done a nice job of stepping in there. But yeah, all in all, even after the three and two start they had, things got away from them a little bit. They're ultimately going to finish, I think, right about where I thought they were going to be, about five wins. Maybe they can get to six uh, if they steal one of these two other games besides Washington. But five and 11 is probably going to be the ceiling at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose these last three against Green Bay, Washington, and New Orleans, finish four and 12 and possibly end up with a top five draft pick. And then start rebuilding for that year two under coach rule. And I'll talk about some players to keep an eye on. You've already mentioned a few, but uh, these next two questions, more specifically on the offense and defensive side, what do the Panthers excel in offensively and defensively? Gives us a snapshot for us Packer fans that aren't familiar with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the best things this team does is they do a nice job of taking care of the football. You know, they're actually one of the okay. better teams in the league in uh, in turnover differential. You know, Teddy Bridgewater really doesn't have a ton of interceptions. He's kind of like middle of the pack. But he is also one of only three quarterbacks that have completed 70% of their passes this season. So the Panthers, it's a lot of quick game. It's a lot of short stuff. You're really not going to see them take a lot of deep passes. But that seems to be by intent. I think it's just they're just trying to get Teddy to get the ball in the hands of a lot of their playmakers, whether it be Robbie Anderson, who's closing in on 1,000 yards, Curtis Samuel, who's kind of to use a term you described about me earlier, jack of all trades, you know, they've <laughs> used them in, in the middle of the field. They've used them at running back at times while Christian McCaffrey has been out. I mean, he has a couple of rushing touchdowns as well. So Samuel's really been one of those nice guys that they like to move around. And even DJ Moore when he's on the field. Now, we don't know if DJ Moore is going to play on Saturday because he's still currently on the COVID list. But when he's on the field, we know he can be a stud player. He's become kind of a star in the making um, flashes quite a bit has times where he disappears a little bit but really shows some uh, some elite traits at times and so like I said I, I think that's what it boils down to an offense it's they don't give up the ball too often so I, I guess you could say if the Panther or the Packers can find a way to you know force fumbles or find a way to pick off Teddy Bridgewater that's going to be a key there because otherwise Teddy Bridgewater really he's done this all season long too. He really does a nice job Mm -hmm. taking care of the football. So he's been a a fine, fine addition to uh, I'm not going to say, you know, great, but he's been a fine addition uh, to this Panthers (laughs) offense defensively. You know, Brian Burns is still out there flashing and uh, getting the opposing quarterback. So they've gotten a little bit better, at uh, at getting to the opposing quarterback, and that's kind of been their their forte is that front seven and putting pressure and just you know doing doing what they can, I guess. To especially what's been a, a tough run of quarterbacks that they've gone up, get up against. I think this front right. seven has fared pretty well against uh, a lot of the big names they've gone up against so far this year. And what do the pa- Panthers struggle in both offensively and defensively? I know that they're missing their uh, star uh, playmaker and Christian McCaffrey, who just signed that extension this past offseason, I believe in April. Um, defensively, I know that uh, Jeremy Chin, rookie right now, is getting a lot of uh, recognition for possible NFL Rookie of the Year. But uh, in terms of struggles, what types of struggles do the Panthers show that maybe the Packers could capitalize off of? I'll go back to Teddy Bridgewater. You know, for as great yeah. as he is as uh, at protecting the football, 
the Panthers have not done a particularly good job, especially recently, in protecting Teddy Bridgewater. In fact, he just got sacked four times against the Broncos. And obviously, the Packers have some really fierce pass rushers themselves. So yeah. uh, it could be a long day for that Panthers offensive line, especially on the the interior. This is certainly becoming a position where, you know, especially the two guards, you know, you've got a, a veteran in John Miller who's been okay. Chris Reed has been up and down. Matt Paradis, don't know what the future holds for him at the center position. You know, I think that's where a lot of their uh, their miscues have come from is up the middle. They've also had a bit of a rotating door at the left tackle position. Russell Okung has missed some time with injuries, so they put Trent Scott out there. They put Greg Little out there, um, but Little's been banged up, so, you know, no idea what they're going to do at that position. And then, I mean, Taylor Moten's been a force at the right tackle position, but the Panthers have shown nothing in terms of are they going to give him an, an extension. So the offensive line, a lot of question marks here, and especially going up against a team that really does a great job at, at getting to the opposing quarterback like the Packers. It's going to be a rough night. And then on the flip side, their coverage, especially the cornerbacks, leave a lot to be desired. Uh, Rasul Douglas got burned a couple of times, especially one touchdown where he looked absolutely silly by KJ Hamler. Hamler's speed just gave yep. uh, just gave Rasul Douglas no chance, and I really worry how how the hell they're going to cover Devontae Adams in, in this game. And then third down defense has been a huge Achilles heel for the Carolina Panthers. They've gotten a little better over the last couple of weeks, but in the grand scheme of things, they've been pretty rough on third down and Aaron Rodgers is obviously one of those quarterbacks that he sees that and he's going to make them pay dearly for it. So mm-hmm. the Panthers can't figure out those problems. I think it's going to be a long night on Saturday. Well, you've done a great job of answering all these questions. It's given me a, a little bit more of a well-rounded holistic approach as we get closer and closer to Saturday. I've got a couple more questions left before we bid adieu. Uh, You highlighted some players already with some of your exceptional answers to the previous questions. Are there any other players to keep an eye on for the Panthers for both sides of the football for Packer fans? Yeah, we obviously mentioned, at least on the defensive side, we mentioned Jeremy Chin and how great he's been. We've mentioned Mm -hmm. Brian Burns. I think Jermaine Carter has started to step up a little bit as well. He's gotten a lot more playing time at the middle linebacker position uh, in place of Tyre Whitehead, who really kind of struggled throughout the season. I've always been kind of a fan of Jermaine Carter. You know, he he came from Maryland. He was a fifth-round pick a couple of years ago. Uh, one of the leaders of that Maryland defense, team captain, I think, as well. Uh, always had pretty good tackling skills. So, you know, next to Shaq Thompson in that linebacking group, I mean, obviously the Panthers had a, a big task in replacing really one of the greatest linebackers we've seen in modern history. And then, of course, one of the best players in Panthers franchise history in Luke Keekley. Right. They tried to get Tyre Whitehead to do yeah. it. He struggled. Jermaine Carter stepped in. I think he's done a a pretty nice job. And then, you know, I mentioned the corners have been have been kind of up and down. Uh, but the two safeties are still having a, a very solid season. Trey Boston and Justin Burris. They're guys that can move around and really cover the field pretty well as well. So they've got some you know, pretty good players and some nice guys to build around there on defense. Offensively, I mentioned, like I said, the wide receivers. Uh, Mike Davis, like I said, has done a, a pretty nice job of of rushing the football and holding down the fourth, I guess we'll say, in the, uh, <laughs> in the absence of Christian McCaffrey. I will say one player that I do wish we could have seen more out of that I'm, you know, I'm really surprised he's been quiet all season. That's Ian Thomas. Uh, I oh, yeah. had a little bit of higher expectations for him, especially with Joe Brady coming from LSU. Uh, they right. We knew they liked to run a lot of two tight end sets or really get a couple of tight ends involved because they had Stephen Sullivan and they had Thaddeus Moss. So I really thought this was going to be a bigger year for for Ian Thomas. You know, But they have done a nice job of getting multiple tight ends involved because you're seeing... Chris Manhurts get a lot more involved in the offense than he has been in years past. And even Colin Thompson, who had always been kind of a a practice squad guy, he even has a touchdown this season. So 
if there's one thing I think the Panthers have done well this season is they've gotten a lot of these young players involved and given some of these guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because they've gotten a bunch of young guys, and especially undrafted guys, Sam Franklin, Miles Hartsfield, a couple of these undrafted guys and a lot of these young players have started to get more meaningful snaps over these last few weeks. So, like I said, I, I think the the foundation is there for this team. It's just now about growing and uh, holding on to these leads and learning to win some of these games. But this is going to be a team to watch over the next year or two. Yeah, no kidding. And especially what uh, Coach Rule has done, his resume, his proven track record. I'm excited to see what the Panthers can do under under his uh under his reign. And as we wrap up facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap, I've got two questions. Uh, one, uh, what is your opinion of the game heading into heading into Saturday? And then I'll follow that up with a pop quiz question that you've been dying for. Yeah, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I, I think this is going to be a, a rough spot for the for the Panthers. Like I said, the the secondary has been very hit and miss, especially the cornerback position. I, th- I think this is going to be another game where Devontae Adams feasts. I just can't see how, how the Panthers mm-hmm. are going to match up with him. This is definitely going to be a game where Panthers fans are really going to miss James Bradbury. You know, I've seen some okay. people say, uh, why did the Panthers give all that money to Shaq Thompson versus James Bradbury? And it turned out the Panthers ended up not really having the money to sign Bradbury because we knew he was going to get a big contract, which he did from the Giants, and he's having a fantastic season for the Giants. This would have been one of those games where the Panthers really could have used him. So in that sense, like I said, between that and their struggles on third down, it's it's probably going to be a long night. So I I think this will probably be one of those games that might get away a little bit from the Panthers, but they will certainly fight you tooth and nail uh, to the bitter end, as they've shown all season long. So they'll be competitive, but um, I could certainly see this being a uh, a two-touchdown game in favor of the Packers. All right. Well, I appreciate uh, all of your knowledge, uh, your background, uh, giving us a little bit more of a well-rounded approach as we get closer and closer to Saturday. And now the moment you've been waiting for, I ask every guest this question. I don't I don't put this on the agenda when we're sort of doing a little bit of preparation leading up to our recording. So this is impromptu and quote unquote on the hot seat, if you will, not too hot. But here's the pop quiz question. If you could cover one year of Carolina Panthers football, what season would that be? That's a really good question. Um <laughs> I'm I would have to be and we're talking like in previous history right yeah, um yeah. i think it would have to be that incredible because i obviously wasn't there covering the team at the time it was a couple years later i mean i'm gonna go re- pretty recent history if that's okay but i think it has to be yeah that 2015 season mm-hmm. cam newton winning mvp team starts 14 and 0 you know and ends up 15 to 1 of the regular season gets to the super bowl for only the second time in history I mean, that was just yep. an incredible team. And I mean, the that defense was obviously great, especially linebackers. I mean, there's not too many teams that have as dynamic of a, a linebacking group than that Panthers team did with Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis and just an mm-hmm. incredible amount of talent on that team. So if, if I could go back and cover that 2015 team, in fact, I spent some of the offseason on the podcast kind of reminiscing on that season. Interestingly enough, I went, you know, throughout the week, I went about four games at a time during the season from the regular season and then into the playoffs. So that would be a fun season to really go back and cover if I could. And then I guess a couple other honorable mentions would be that first Super Bowl season of 2003. And then probably that first season or two of the franchise as a whole, you know, it's always interesting. I'm sure to cover an expansion team, and then in just their second season of being a franchise, they make it all the way to the NFC Championship game. So those would probably be some of the seasons I would love to cover. But yeah, it's it's all it's always great. It would be really fun to have covered a fifteen and one regular season in a spot mm-hmm. in 
the the soup in Super Bowl Fifty against Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Right, great answer, and uh, I love the nostalgia too. I the NFC Championship game in the P- Carolina Panthers' second mm-hmm. season against the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers going on to Super Bowl Thirty One and winning uh, that two thousand three season with Jake Daylight come, and they wanted Delhomme, and so uh, I that was definitely. Uh, a fun run, his tenacity, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they they met their fate with uh, I want to say the the Patriots yep. um, in in two thousand three. One of the better Super Bowls ever played, right? I mean, you know, with the that was Super Bowls we've had Super with Bowl. Patriots Eagles, Patriots Falcons, some of these games even yep. last year, Chiefs Forty ers People forget that mm-hmm. Patriots Panthers Super Bowl. In uh, in two thousand the two thousand three season, that was a really fun Super Bowl, and really came, the Panthers gave the the Patriots all they could handle. And you know, if that kick doesn't go out of bounds late in the game, mm-hmm. Patriots wouldn't have had as much of the field to eat up as they ended up. You know, they would have had a lot longer to go. Maybe they don't get in position to kick that game winning field goal. Maybe it goes into overtime. Who knows? What could have happened? It, that's such a vivid memory for me because I remember uh, Jake DeLome and just his resilience, resiliency, mm-hmm. his fearlessness, uh, his grit. He did not give up. He willed his way for that game. I'm going to have to go back and, and, and check out some of uh, the highlights of that season. But once again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, coming on to talk Panthers for our listeners that are tuning in. Where can they follow you and your work throughout social media? I know that you're a Twitter guy. I'm a Twitter guy as well. So I'm assuming that's probably your medium of mm-hmm. choice. Yeah, it's uh bill underscore Rossetti, R I C C E T T E. Follow the work. Like I said, S I Panthers, Locked on Panthers podcast, Bengals. If you want to see my work with other teams, Bengals Wire, mm-hmm. uh, four for four. Like I said, I dabble around with Brawl Network. I'm start, starting to pop up on. Even if you guys are college basketball fans, I'm eventually going to start doing some bracketology again. Now that we're knee deep nice. into the college basketball season, already a, a great run. You know, some some big upsets and a lot of exciting action. So really excited. In fact, I even took a course with. Joe Lenardi over the summer uh, to get to pick his brain a little bit more. And I've, I've been doing bracketology for about 10 years, but got to take a course with Joe Lenardi over the summer and pick his brain about the the selection process. And we even did our own mock selection process as well. So really an exciting time. So uh, we're coming up to one of my favorite times of the year where we got the draft cycle and then the college basketball. Hopefully we have an NCAA tournament. I think we will. So right. A lot of stuff I'll be doing here over the next couple of months, but I, I love it. And, you know, I really appreciate you, uh, you guys having me on. It was a great time. Uh, shout out to you guys and shout out to Ross Jackson for getting this set up as well. Uh, so all you guys really appreciate you guys for bringing me on. It was a really great time. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for your kind words. Shout out to Ross. He's a friend of the podcast as well. And so Thank you so much for coming on. And there you have it, Packer fans, for your Facing the Panthers, Bill Rossetti on tap episode. Packers, Panthers, Saturday night. Go Pack Go. I am Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.